0: Hello and welcome back to the Stuck In Between podcast. My name is Romi.
1: And I'm Sandan. Thanks for joining us. In this episode, we chat with UK-based entrepreneur Anju Ahuja about her sustainable food delivery service, Double Drop.
0: We chat about the mission of her business, the importance of sustainability and environmental consciousness, and why wholesome, healthy foods are so important to our well-being.
1: And before we jump in, Romy and I are working on some really exciting, non-podcast-related projects as part of Stuck in Between. Stay tuned for the end of the episode for how you can help. Archie, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, most of our guests so far have been from Australia with a couple from India and the US, but you're our first guest from the UK, so we're super excited.
2: Oh, well, thank you so much for asking me to come and talk to you guys. It's very exciting. I love the sound of your podcast and yeah, I can't wait to get chatting.
1: Um, to get started, tell us a bit about yourself and what you were doing before you started Double Drop
2: um so i'm anshu i'm 42 <laughs> um i have been living in london since i was 19 i moved here to go to university um prior to that actually i was in australia um oh, wow. oh. yeah what, I which went part of to
0: australia
2: um wollongong of all places oh, <laughs> oh no way yeah. so did you grow up in the gong and then move to the uk no 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 i didn't i grew up in mumbai Um, And then my friend from school was actually at University of Wollongong and she was like, oh, why don't you come out? It's so cool here. Mm. And so I was like, okay, mum, dad, I really want to go. I was 17. (laughs) And they were like, are you sure? It's really far away. And I was like, no, I want to do it. And so yeah, I went and compared to Mumbai, which Mm. I mean, I couldn't have picked anywhere more different, right? So I tried it out for a couple of years, I lived in Sydney for a bit and then I went back home, actually got itchy feet again and I was like, no, you know, maybe I'll try London and so that's how I ended up here, went to uni here, um, fell in love with it, went Mm. to art college, you know, had met some really interesting people, you know, I was like, this is, this is my home. Mm. Um, And I'm married, I've got two kids, Uh, my husband is from Scotland, we live in East London um prior to starting double drop. I used to work in T V production. Oh wow! I used to, I was a series producer, I worked on, you know, lots of big shows like One Born Every Minute and First Dates. I don't know That's if awesome. you've seen any of these or oh, they mean anything yeah, to you. Right. Yeah. Um and
0: then I mean look, if you know any of the producers in Australia, I'd love to sign up my friend Sandin here <laughs> to go on an episode. <laughs> you know what? I'm I thinking don't. I'm leaning
1: more towards Love Island before <laughs> I apply for First Dates. So we'll okay. we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but tell us a little bit about how Double Doc came about.
2: So, like I said, I was working in TV before I started Double Drop, and you know, life was pretty busy. I had two kids, and you know, there was lots of decisions to be made. And you know, at the end of a busy week, you sort of want to order a takeaway which my husband and I mm. often did um and you know it arrives in a plume of smoke when i noisy scooter and the food is always greasy didn't taste good it wasn't good for you you'd paid all yeah. this money and obviously all the plastic it came in you know and I was like there, there must be a better way of doing it you know how can I use my culture, what I grew up with, where, you know, I think back in the day, India used to be pretty eco, Mm. we used natural resources so well. So I thought back to the Dabawala system, which is from Mumbai, where I grew up. um, And I thought, how could we modernize it? How could we put a sort of London spin on it, use technology, and create something that's fun, and has a community element to it, you know, and create a sort of communal table, um, which is where the sort of idea came from. I wanted the experience to not be just a transaction. I wanted it to be, Mm. you know, something you could kind of celebrate at the end of the week. So um that's kind of where i was thinking and then i just did a trial um with friends and family around the neighborhood and it was really well received you know and it just grew from there it was a whatsapp sort of concept and then i built a website and uh, i got a co-founder who was my next door neighbor and she had a sort of events and restaurant background so you know she was sort of had the right kind of experience for the idea. And that's kind of how it started, you know, just friends. And then yeah, now we've got a, a bit of a community going.
0: Yeah, it's so awesome. I mean, we came across your Instagram page and we were so intrigued by the (laughs) whole idea of it, especially the inspiration drawn from the double wallahs in in, um, Mumbai and how you have kind of brought that into the UK. But I guess if we're speaking about double drop, we obviously need to start at the root of it all and that's food. So where does your passion for food come from as someone who is previously, you know, working for the television? Was it always
2: just a hobby or did you ever want to pursue it? um so my family are obsessed with food like I think most Indian families are you know um talk about the next meal before even you've finished the the last one yeah. like you know <laughs> breakfast time my mum would be like so what do you want for lunch Lunchtime, would be what do you want you know it's just like an ongoing thing and that's where I suppose my love for food came from we're a foodie family I love I love cooking I've always loved cooking even as a child. So um, and then when I lived in Australia, I kind of that's when it properly that was the first time I lived away from home. So I could experiment and I tried new mm. things. And you know, that's, um, that's kind of where it came from. And then obviously, my career took me on a different path. But I used to always, you know, I used to run food stores, market stalls and things like that. Um, oh, and nice. I knew I always wanted to do something in food. And then when I had kids, um, it became apparent that I couldn't juggle the life of a busy producer and be a mum at the same time. Like I was failing at both jobs, um, having to leave early and being told off by my boss at work and then not making um, the nursery pick up on time. So I was like, okay, maybe this is the break I need to take from life and kind Mm. of create something that will work for my family life. So, mm. yeah, so that's kind of where it all stemmed from. Um, mm-hmm. But a long answer to your question is it is definitely down to my mum, you know, that, yeah. where my passion for food comes from. We still, every Sunday when we speak, we're, you know, what did you have for lunch? Or, you know, what are you cooking for dinner? (laughs) What did you make the kids? Or, you know, yeah. yeah. So I I hope I can pass that on to my children as well. Mm. Yeah,
1: that's awesome. And I guess the two things that kind of stood out in your description of how and why you started your business was, you know, being environmentally friendly and cooking food that's nutritious, um, yeah. which we'll come to in a bit. Um, but we wanted to ask you about the name of your company, Dabba Drop. Um, for those who might not be familiar with what a dubba is, can you talk to us a little bit about the significance of it historically?
2: Yeah, sure. So Dabba in Hindi literally translates as box. So the name of the company means box drop. Um, dabba is a tiered stainless steel vessel and it has four compartments that are clipped together and i guess traditionally as well so you get different elements in each section like you know an indian meal is hardly ever just one element right you we Mm -hmm. we like the different textures and the flavors and condiments and you know so that's what a dabba does really well um you know so we have rice and a dal curry and a salad or a stir fry at the top and we also have roti um that comes with the meal, then we tie it all together with a colourful cloth and then off it goes on a bike to be delivered to our customers. Yeah. Um, And historically, I guess, I think it was over a hundred years ago that the whole concept was created in India. um, In Mumbai specifically, there is, you know, a hub of delivery. I mean, it's amazing how they do it because the city is so chaotic. But the housewife cooks the meal, they collect the dubba and it's coded in a particular way, which only they understand. And then one Dabawala takes it to another spot, which is usually like a train station. And then that yeah. Dabawala gets on the train with it, delivers it to another Dabawala on the other side. And then it goes to hopefully the right office to the, the husband's yeah. desk. I don't know if you've watched this movie called The Lunchbox. Um No. no great film which is uh, it is all about the dabba wallet system in mumbai and it is about a dabba that is delivered incorrectly <laughs> and then like a little romance develops between these two people uh, it's a really sweet oh. story it's beautifully filmed and beautifully told yeah oh, awesome. so basically
1: south asia discovered uber eats before I anyone mean, no I mean, thought about it in the absolutely 21st century. yeah It
2: is. It, that's where the idea came from I'm sure like all good things in yeah. life it always started in India <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah and it's so genius I remember watching like Indian movies and seeing um people like I haven't seen it in the flesh but people carry um the duppers yeah. and it's so ingenious like the fact that your curries won't mix and you've got these different compartments yeah. of things you see a little compartmentalized like lunch boxes now and I wonder if those have also kind of been inspired from um you know the original duppers yeah India. yeah I yeah. mean you
2: know obviously um bento boxes are a, a sort of Come yeah. quite close, but at the design itself of the dubber is so ingenious because it's all held together, it's so compact, it's circular so that means you can stack loads together and it's sort of it just yeah. functions so well. It's a beautiful design um and you know it's an icon it's an icon of of our business, of course, but you know it is like some of our customers because it's a subscription service, and we swap one dubber out the next time we deliver. They use it during the week for their lunch. Uh, you can take uh, yeah. them on picnics, you know, it's uh, and their kids use it to store like little beads and trinkets Aww. during the week. Um, so it's quite, it has, <laughs> it has multiple uses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. It's a good point you mentioned about the subscription based service that you guys provide. Can you talk to us a little bit about the logistical side of the business?
2: Yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, logistics is... I'd say, you know, 75% of the business, really. I mean, of course, the food Mm. is, but making sure that it gets from our kitchen to a a customer's home. um, I mean, (laughs) yeah, when we set up the business, we didn't realise how much, um, what a big job that would be. And making sure everything is delivered on time. And obviously, it's all zero emission deliveries. So we Mm. have um, cyclists who... You know, deliver rain or shine or snow. That's awesome. Each cyclist can take up to six to eight dubbers in one of their bags. Yeah. We do. We feed a thousand people weekly at the moment. So, wow. Uh, wow. yeah. So oh managing gosh. the route and making sure that um, it. it Makes sense and you're not wasting any time and, you know, you're not kind of going Mm. all over the place. So yeah, that's, it's quite a, yeah, it's quite a mission.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And you said, um, when you started the business, you were doing a lot of the cooking. Is that still the case now? Or are you a bit more hands-off and in the background?
2: yeah I mean we're still there every every week when we do service. We're still very much wiping the dubbers or making sure everything looks good. We don't do I certainly don't do much of the cooking occasionally. we'll make some samosas when we're short staffed and peel like you know hundreds of pounds of ginger um but we are very much focused on growing the business at the moment you know yeah. uh, there it does get to a point as a founder where you have to sort of step away from the day-to-day mm. running of the business. Otherwise, you just yeah, get sucked into it. We, we're, you know, we need to, yeah. we've got a great team. And we've got chefs and, you know, a customer service team and operations and logistics. So, yeah, we very much want them to be able to run the day-to-day mechanics of the business and we can focus on growth and basically take the model as it is and move it to another part of the country and keep kind of keep it moving uh, and hopefully travel internationally as well at some point in the future
0: Yeah, yeah,
2: that would be awesome. And I mean, makes
0: complete sense. Um, and speaking of the cooking, what kind of inspires the meals that you guys make at Dubba Drop? I, you know, we were looking through your Instagram again, and we saw that you guys take a lot of inspiration from Ayurvedic cooking as well. Mm. So could you talk a little bit to that and maybe explain what that is to people who may not be completely aware?
2: Yeah, so the inspiration for each meal comes from the way Indians eat at home. So unlike um, when you go to a restaurant and it's all filled with cream and butter and it's rich, we very much like to keep it homely so, you know, that it's good for you and you don't feel bloated or too full when you get up uh, after you finish your meal. Um, So it's very much, yeah, inspired by how my parents eat at home. So there's always, I mean, obviously the focus is on vegetables as well. So, you know, there is always... a salad or a stir fry which has three or four different types of veggies then we have the curry which has like the star ingredient and it could be sweet potato or cauliflower we use British um, vegetables as much as possible Mm. and then there's a dal which obviously you know is loaded with protein and um, good carbs and then a rice to soak it all up so it's a it's a healthy meal that all works together and we also have pickles and chutneys that you can add on to the meal to kind of, you know, up the spice level or add some sweetness. Um, So yeah, it kind of, it's a curated meal that functions well together for, from a nutrition point of view as well as from a taste point of view. Mm. Oh my gosh. So, you you know, as yeah, a customer, definitely. you don't have to make any decisions on what to order. It just, it turns up. And so that's like the decision taken away, um, hopefully for good reason, because, you know, <laughs> you, I mean, I'm, I'm always struggling um, when I go to a restaurant on what to order because I want to order everything. And <laughs> I would love for somebody to just be like, okay, this is what you're eating, which is why we did it in this way.
0: Yeah, exactly. And um, you speaking of all of us just making me so hungry right now. Um, (laughs) I was going to say um, what you brought up before is such a good point where usually home cooked South Asian food is actually really, it doesn't leave you feeling super bloated or like, gross afterwards but whenever you go to a restaurant most of the time the food is so indulgent and like loaded with things Mm. and it just doesn't taste like that home-cooked kind of meal and you don't feel as good afterwards either which you know I mean it tastes great but it's not really that authentic you know way that maybe your grandparents or your parents usually cook as well so I think it's really great that you guys have kept it that way because although it's A Friday night sort of takeaway meal, it's still really good for you and not loaded with things that just make it super indulgent or just for the sake of taste. Yeah, it's also
1: super interesting to think about how, you know, historically in South Asia, we were using all of these superfoods and getting all these um, nutritional benefits from things that are only getting adopted in the Western world now,
2: mm. absolutely you know we were if if only we'd had a hashtag back then uh, <laughs> <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um you know like coconut oil or turmeric moringa, you know all of those superfoods now mm. i mean it's it's amazing how it's just taken off and it's you know it's kind of I I never listened to my grand when she said you must oil your hair every weekend mm. and you know I was like oh, greasy and and now you know obviously that's a trend everyone does it like I hear people uh, my friends who've grown up in the west are kind of adopting that mm. but you know yeah it's age-old practices and th- there must have been some truth in there right yeah, yeah
1: for sure uh, we saw on your website as well that You um, change your menu on a weekly basis and you put a lot of emphasis on not Mm -hmm. just cooking one type of fruit from one area of South Asia. You kind of like to tap into the different cultures and the cuisines that we have in a very diverse part of the world. Mm -hmm. How do you kind of plan and, and decide on the menu for each week?
2: Yeah, I mean, we so we have a bank of nine menus that we sort of rotate each week. And because the idea to change it weekly came about because we don't offer any options. Um, so it's a set menu each week. Mm. And we wanted to make sure that we were providing enough variety mm. and using different veggies and different flavours from the different regions. So we take classic dishes from those regions and kind of put our own spin on it. Make it vegan, obviously, uh, but also... Taste of home rather than of a restaurant. Um, And then we'll just kind of think of it from a, you know, textural point of view, make sure there's enough crunch to kind of offset the Mm. softness of the lentils. Uh, You know, we'll choose a vegetable that transports well in the tiffin and all of those things. So, yeah, we kind of – there's a lot of different elements as to why the menu kind of comes together in that way. Um, Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, We wanted to ask – and
0: I think you would mentioned this before – about how it it all started off as more like a a WhatsApp sort of thing where you were spreading it around. You have now run this business successfully for a few years now. So people obviously love the food and what you guys stand for as a company. Mm -hmm. But when you first started to expand it, what was the reception like, not just from South Asians, but also non-South Asian people?
2: I would say we have over 95% of our customers are non-South Asian. Um, And they were interested in the concept because of the eco aspect, Um, but also because we were cooking healthy, nutritious, plant-based food Mm. that allowed them to try something new every week. I mean, the model was created for non-South Asians because we wanted to introduce our style of cooking that wasn't greasy or unhealthy or loaded with cream and carbs to the world, like to introduce... Indian homestyle cooking because that is the most delicious food in my opinion Um, and so they like that sort of simple way of eating which Mm. uh, is colourful and good for you and you know introduces them to different tastes each week. Um, Slowly you know there are Indians who live in these neighbourhoods who um, South Asians actually um, are signing up to the service as well Um, and they actually live away from their sort of family. That's why they're interested in it because they get to have a flavor, taste of home. Mm. Yeah, We do also have quite a few uh, people who've recently joined uni in London who are asking for a tiffin service, which is quite interesting um, and cool, I guess, because, you know, they're missing home and they want
0: Indian food.
2: So that feels, you know, that's nice. It feels good to be able to provide that um, to people who are feeling homesick. yeah Yeah,
0: but that uh, sounds so great because even um people who have maybe brought up in the west and never really learned south asian cooking i'm sure mm. people like that would be really interested in in ordering it as well because it may remind them of the way their parents or grandparents cook too so i think it's a beautiful thing that you're able to provide to these people i never even really thought about you know uni students or getting homesick who might want to Try your food as well. Yeah,
1: I was going to say, because I don't know how to make the same South Asian foods that my mum or my grandma would cook at home. And come Uh to think of it, I don't think (laughs) many of my South Asian friends know how to cook South Asian food either. I think they just take advantage of the fact that they're still, you know, close enough to home to get a cultural, warm, cooked meal themselves so mm. i feel like if you guys can expand to australia that'll be a really good option for me <laughs> i don't need to stress too much yeah. about this um yeah, but yeah sure. i it's, 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 <laughs> uh, can't wait for that um but yeah it's, it's also great to hear that you know 95 percent of the people you guys service are non-south asians which just means that you're you know mm. spreading our really great culture to people who might not be as across it um in a really accessible way yeah. which is great um and you said that you felt like the um one of the biggest reasons why they were drawn to your business is the eco-friendly aspect of it. Um, mm-hmm. What are the other kind of environmentally friendly steps that you take to make sure that you are as sustainable as possible?
2: Um, So we work on a pre-order basis, um, and this allows us to buy just the right amount of ingredients, uh, therefore minimising food waste, Mm. uh, which is a huge part of why we are in this situation, like greenhouse gases and all the rest of it. So food waste is, you know, we need to all do our best to not waste as much as we do. Mm. We do pride ourselves on um, making sure that um any leftover food is distributed to cyclists uh or we take it home it is very rare that we have more than you know like a little tub left over um we also, also- compost all our peelings um so they are taken to a farm and co- you know created into compost which then is used to grow mm-hmm. more vegetables um and of course the whole packaging like there's absolutely never any plastic and mm. um so, since we started in 2018, we have saved over 117,736 plastic containers from being used by delivering in our dabbers. Um We have also made over 30,000 kilometers of wow. emission free deliveries by delivering uh, on our bicycles oh or e bikes. That's, that's amazing. amazing. Mm. Yeah. And if you just think about it, that's you know,
0: just your one business in one part of London that saved so much. So imagine if more people started to employ that sort of tactic. And on the flip side, imagine how much plastic and how many containers are actually being consumed when we do get takeaway. That's that's (laughs) mind-boggling. I'm just thinking over how many... Things I've ordered,
2: like even during the pandemic yeah. and stuff like that, yeah. when you're just ordering from Uber Eats, that's crazy. You feel super
1: guilty about <laughs> it as well. I know.
2: <laughs> but it, there is change happening, you know, more more and more businesses are interested in going eco, that means Uh, you know producers are creating new uh, ways of packaging that we can use and that you can compost at home just throw in your food waste bin i don't know if that's a big thing in australia but it is definitely gathering momentum here you know everyone there is a big drive to educate people on um, using bins in the right way uh, making sure you dispose of things you know use what you can reuse as much as possible uh, and Mm. don't waste less waste (laughs)
1: Yeah, no, that's awesome. And recently, in the last couple of years, we've seen in Australia, at least, um, a few more South Asian businesses pop up with more of an environmentally conscious attitude. Um, Over Mm -hmm. in the UK, do you see a lot of South Asian businesses specifically kind of take that approach? Or do you think that there's still a way to go for Um... that?
2: i think you know it's a combination of maybe other south asian businesses are not sort of focused on environment as much but you know you definitely see south asian businesses wanting to stand up and actually be heard uh, and tell the truth about their culture there's more people who are taking that sort of entrepreneur route and uh, are keen to to get into the mainstream space, which, you know, so far has not been kind of possible for a variety of reasons, whether cultural or societal. Mm. Um, Yeah, so you definitely hear of brands that are um, South Asian and doing it for the right reasons and spreading spreading the South Asian message, which is quite cool, you know, um, rather than just the same old people <laughs> doing the same old things. Yeah, definitely. most
0: definitely. Where did the passion for the environment come from for you as an individual? Mm. So
2: as a person, I, you know, try and educate my kids about the environment. They are, you know, aware of climate change and what's happening in the world. So I wanted to make sure... Um, when I created the business that we held ourselves responsible for that because obviously we take a lot from our planet and (laughs) when you start a business you want to be able to give something back Mm. and growing up in India I guess it's just you know being conscious of how much you use and not leaving a trace like you know it is it's important like my mum and my gran always they just used every part of the vegetable that they cooked with. Mm. They, you know, the coconut... um, They used to make brushes with the coconut leaves. And, you know, everything was kind of natural and, and environmentally conscious. And I guess... Back then, when you're young, you don't realize what, in, th- there wasn't a term for environmentally conscious. It was just, you know, you use the resources. It was the norm. Yeah, you yeah. use the resources you had and you used it well and you had respect for it. So I think something somewhere at some point would have been ingrained in me to kind mm. of view the world in that way. And, you know, living in London where everything is very fast paced. It's important to slow down and take a look at what's around us and be respectful of the world. Um, and, you know, just in the last two years with the pandemic, you know, I think I think everyone's starting to do that a lot more. You know, you, mm. you've got to you've, mm. you've got everyone's got to slow down. We've got to respect each other. We've got to make the most of what we have and reuse as much as possible so yeah we I think there is a shift finally into into this way of living
1: yeah it's great to see businesses like yours kind of employ that um my grandma at home she always reminds us about how when she was growing up they grew everything that they consumed Mm -hmm. so everything was kind of like an organism in that everyone was self-sufficient and you know giving back to the environment and to your point absolutely it kind of keeps you grounded to our planet and our Earth instead of yeah. what we're accustomed to growing up uh, yeah. where we have, where everything's single use, essentially, right? Um, Absolutely. Which is a bit confronting to think about the long-term effects of that. Mm. Um, given your experience, just for people day-to-day, what do you think are the simple tips and tricks for people day-to-day to cut their food wastage and plastic consumption?
2: Um, So we have a little box in the fridge where we put any leftover food. So, for example, if I made mac and cheese for the kids... If they don't finish what's on their plates, I'll scrape it into this little box called scraps or leftover herbs or, a, you know, wilting cauliflower leaf. Um, I just pop it all on this box. And then at the end of the week, you know, we'll kind of create like a frittata out of it or um, a fritter oh, nice. uh, and just kind of reuse so that you can create a whole new meal with leftovers, um, which is completely different to what you started out with. I mean, I guess in our cooking, South Asian cooking, Anything can end up in a curry and you can repurpose it to make it delicious Mm. again. So, yeah, my tip is don't throw anything away. You know, it can be used to create something else. Um, I'm also big on mending. So, you know, if you've got holes in your socks or your jeans or your T-shirt, jumper, mend it, make it cool, put a patch on it or, you know, do some embroidery, kind of get off your screen and learn to use your hands again. Um, I think that's super important and, you know, it'll give you a newfound love for the world and, you know, don't just keep buying, stop buying, stop using Amazon, you know, support your local business, go to your, you Mm. know, don't buy, especially groceries and things like that. Go to your local shop. Mm. Um, so yeah, those are my three tips, three (laughs) eco-friendly tips. Love that. Yeah, I love
0: that. Um, you mentioned at the beginning as well that you want to expand to other parts of England potentially and maybe internationally as well. What do those plans look like for you? Because like Sandon said before, there's so much scope for it everywhere and we've not seen a business like yours, you know, just here in Sydney, mm-hmm. um, but what do those plans look like for your company?
2: Um, so for the next year, we want to try and expand to another couple of cities in the UK. Um, and for that, it's sadly, you know, for a small business, it's to do with money. We mm. need to raise finance. We're going to try and get some investment. It's all been self-funded so far. Wow. You know, any profits we've made are just, you know, put back into the business to, you know, try and grow. Um, so, yeah, over the next year, we're going to try and seek funding basically show that the model can work. Uh, Well, it has worked in London and we can literally pick it up and put it somewhere else and it just kind of does its thing. Um, So, yeah, let's see how that goes. And then, yeah, the world's our oyster, I guess. Yeah, Yeah. that
0: sounds fantastic. Uh, From, I guess, your experience of having this business for the past few years, what would you say has been the most challenging part and what would you say
2: has been the most rewarding um, so the challenging part is um I guess, you know, in London everyone's used to getting things on demand. You know, mm. our culture is based on instant gratification. Um, whereas our model was kind of taking you back to the slightly more old school way of doing things and you know, you've got to wait for your delivery. Um, so you've got to pre-order it and then it turns up that Friday. So it was changing people's behaviours, and that was the hardest at the start of the business, because we needed to convince people that hey, the food's good. And actually, you know, you're making a difference by ordering from us, you're supporting a small business, but you're yeah. also doing good for the planet. Yeah, um, And I guess the best thing for us is, you know, that we, alongside having a community of eco-warriors, we're actually making a change. We're making a dent in this mm. sort of yeah. mountain of plastic that's kind of accumulating in a landfill yeah. somewhere. So, yeah, that does make us feel quite proud, those statistics. Oh, and so it should. Yeah, <laughs> that's
1: awesome. Um, as kind of a way of wrapping up the episode, we have a few rapid fire questions for you.
2: Uh-oh.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> to start off, um, this might be the hardest question of all. What's your favorite meal?
2: Oh gosh, what's my favorite meal? Do you know what? Um, I miss my mum's dosa, sambar, chutney. Um, mm, you know, yum. It is, <laughs> yeah. It is. It is a meal that is everything, isn't it? It's got everything in there, and it's yeah. not just delicious, but also really good for you. So, yeah, I miss that. Yeah, oh, yum. <laughs> yeah. Um. On the flip side, what is your least
0: favorite food?
2: Oh, least favourite. Um, If we're t- restricting ourselves just to Indian food, I mean, this is, I, I'm sure everybody says this, like my least favourite vegetable is a bitter gourd. It's that sort of green ridged vegetable. It looks like a cucumber, but it's got ridges yeah. on it. Um, yeah. But that veggie it's so bitter i know it's really good for you but it's yeah oh gosh yeah fills me with dread (laughs) i feel that i feel that yeah
1: definitely (laughs) can relate um if you could work with any celebrity chef who would you want
2: to work with wow gosh any celebrity chef I i don't know if she's a chef as such but um she runs a really cool spice business called diaspora um Sana, I don't know if you've heard of her. She lives in Oakland. Uh, she's from Mumbai originally, and she is basically disrupting the spice trade. And she kind of is sourcing turmeric and lots of other spices now from uh, farmers. So she's cutting out the middleman.
0: Oh, wow. So,
2: yeah, she's really cool. So I'd love to work with her. She's got a great business and, you know, it is rooted in kind of change, change. Which is exactly what we're trying to do as mm. well. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, if you were
0: to ever go on a cooking show, would you ever go? And if so, which one?
2: <sighs> so obviously, I used to work in TV, so I mean, I know how it all works, and I probably wouldn't go. But I love watching Bake Off. Have you heard? Have you guys got Bake Off yeah. in Australia? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So great British Bake Off. I'm not a natural baker. So I think I'd take that on as a challenge and, you know, um, I guess it, it would be important as well to spread Indian sort of sweets into the world as well. So, yeah, maybe a Great British Bake Off, possibly. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> I wouldn't get in.
1: I'm not, I'm sure you would. I'm sure you definitely would. Um, as kind of the last rapid fire question, what meal would you suggest for someone who doesn't eat South Asian food regularly as something that they need to try?
2: Um... So, I mean, my favorite Indian, I suppose, South Asian home meal is dal chawal, dal rice and pickle. Um, Mm. And I think, or khichdi, you know, that is comfort food, you know, that's what I fancy every time I'm feeling sad or gloomy or, you know, need inspiration, it's... Mung dal and rice and something spicy, spicy yeah. mango pickle or something like that. Um, That is no. comfort in a bowl on a cold day or, a, <sighs> you know, when things haven't gone to plan, that's what I want to eat. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. would recommend that. Just very simple, but, you know, just it, cooked with love. It can fix all kinds of problems, I think.
1: Yeah. <laughs> For me, my comfort food is rice, dal, spinach and... Oh, yeah. Yogurt and appalam as well. Mm, What's your yum. comfort rummy?
0: Oh, my gosh. I don't know. This is such a hard question. It is a hard question. But probably... It might actually be dosa. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> and, like, dal or something. That's yeah. just so good. I love that so sambar. much. Samba, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. with samba, that's so good. Um, my dad has also recently started making... Um, pickles at home Mm. he started during lockdown and it's so good so every time we have rice and curry we just have a bit of that so when you describe that meal my my family got uh, a jar of that
1: from Romy's uh, dad as well and it's amazing so I can definitely
0: (laughs) he's been (laughs) distributing around to everyone he's very very (laughs) proud of his pickles but when you were describing your um your meal, untrue. I was like, yeah, this sounds like what I'd probably like to eat yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, as a way of wrapping up the episode, do you have any
2: recommendations for our audience? Oh gosh, um, I um, there's a cookbook. Of course, it's a cookbook. Um, it's called Five Morsels of Love, and mm-hmm. it's um, traditional Andhra cooking, which oh, is nice. you know in the south of India. Um, And it's a beautiful book, it's by an Indian lady, she lives in India, but it's kind of unlike usual Indian cookbooks, it's beautifully photographed, um, and it's got lovely story and all the recipes are really really good they work they actually work so you know uh because sometimes i don't know if you own a proper indian cookbook but the the quantities can all be quite off because you know how indians cook a little bit of this a little bit of that yep. you know <laughs> yeah. it isn't really a recipe so if you don't know how to cook uh, following it can kind of you can end up with something really random but this book is yeah. beautiful from start to finish and there's some great great dishes in there so yeah that's what i would recommend five morsels of love
1: that's awesome yeah Yeah, we've seen some um books recently as well where they've kind of shared their family story into woven with these recipes as well which it's so lovely to see um, mm. it being passed down in terms of you know the significance of food as well as the stories of our people.
2: Absolutely, um,
1: in a really great way.
2: Yeah, passed down in black and white, you know, in written rather than kind of just yeah. in somebody's diary somewhere. It's just nice, and we can all relate to those stories, right? Because it's Definitely. kind of how we were all brought up. Um, so it's nice to see other people doing that.
1: Yeah, and yeah, I think for us, many of our parents and grandparents have their cookbooks stored in their brains. So it's kind of yes, good yeah. to kind of get them to write it all down. Um, yeah, Romy, before. you Definitely. should get your
2: dad's pickle recipe. Mm. I know, <laughs> I really
0: should, but he wouldn't even—he won't even share it with my mum because he wants to be—he <laughs> wants it to be his to trade secret. secret so yeah. he doesn't make it when no one's around. But I'm like, you got to pass it on, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> I can make it, you know, for your future grandchildren and Absolutely. the next generations. But that's half the problem, right? They don't write anything down. It's all stored in their brain, and that's yeah. also why South Asians like. W- if I make a curry, I'm good googling a recipe because I asked my mum and she's like, oh, you know, a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And I'm like, what is a little bit? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I don't know.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh... thank you so much for your time, aren't you? We absolutely love the mission of your business and what you're doing. We can't wait for you to bring it to Australia (laughs) so we can be customers as well. Um, But yeah, thank you so much for your time and keep up the awesome work that you're doing.
2: Oh, awesome. That was so cool. Thanks for the chat, guys. That was really good fun. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you so
0: much for listening, guys. Make sure to check out Double Drop on Instagram at D-A-B-B-A-Drop on tips on sustainability and fingers crossed they bring their awesome work to Australia soon.
1: As you mentioned at the start of the episode, we're working on something really exciting and we have no doubts that you guys are going to be hyped for it too. Stay tuned over the next couple of months for exactly what that is. But in the meantime, we'd really love your support.
0: So our question to you is, what are some themes or topics or questions that you've always wanted to discuss with your family, parents, grandparents, siblings, aunts, uncles, whoever? Your suggestions will be really helpful with what we're putting together.
1: DM us your thoughts on Instagram at stuckinbetween underscore podcast.
0: Join us next time for our conversation with author Shankari Chandran, unpacking her latest book, Chai Time at Cinnamon Gardens, and the purpose of her writing. We'll catch you then. Bye.